as pastor, one of my responsibilities is to help people navigate through some of the difficulties that they go through in life. We know that in this world we will have trouble. Isn't that what Jesus said? But I'm also reminded, I often think that when I'm talking to somebody or sitting down with a couple, I often wonder if a lot of what they're going through could have been possibly avoided if they would have spent time in prayer on a daily basis. Not saying that prayer uh, doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. But my goodness gracious, when I, when I see some of the difficulties people get themselves in, I, I'm thinking, man, if you just had a daily walk quiet time with the Lord and, and you were listening to him and his ways I believe a lot we could be spared of much that's why over the past few weeks from my summer spiritual ponderings I've been talking about putting on the brakes life can get busy we just need to learn how to slow down. Putting on the brakes to clear the clutter. Now, I'm not just saying these words, but in my own life, just Monday night, after serving this community for 21 years on the Human Relations Council of Freehold Township, and for the past 19 years being the chair of that meeting, I, I told the mayor there at that committee, I said, meeting, I, I said, you know what? I know I come up for reappointment this year. And you know what? I'm just going to decline. I've, I've been doing this for 21 years now. And, you know, there's just things in my life that I just need to clear up. And I, I appreciate the time, appreciate the 21 years of serving our community. But there comes a time where, you know what? Some things just have to be relinquished to the next Pause and listen. As I'm looking at my schedule, I, I, I see December. The first week in December, I, I see that I have a Christmas party on Tuesday. Church is Wednesday. I have a Christmas party on Thursday, and I have a Christmas party on Friday. Now, all that is good. But if you don't take time before to be quiet and to be still, and to listen and to learn. Boy, when that time comes, it can just sweep you away if you haven't made preparations. Bob Buford, in his book, Halftime, I've made mention of this book many a times, summarizes this up really good. He divides your life in two halves. The first half, is all about success. You just want to make your life successful. You want to climb the corporate ladder. I remember one of the low times in my life, it, even though it should have been a high time. I was in Mexico on a missions trip. 
I call my wife, hey, how you doing? She goes, good. Aaron took her first steps today. You ever feel stretched? Your first half is all about success. Wanting to be successful in the community and among your neighbors, among your peers. And all of a sudden around 40, 45, 50, you come in and you evaluate what you've been doing. And you're like, what am I, crazy? Am I nuts? And all of a sudden, Bob Buford says, there's a change, there's a shift of focus. Where success is not really important anymore. As much as significance, you want to make a change. You want to make a difference. You want to leave a legacy. How do you want to be remembered? As a workaholic? who provided all these material things for your, your, your kids, but you weren't at their little league games. The older I get, all of a sudden the quarters become shorter, don't they? And the older I get, the more I realize that the most important thing in my life the thing I cherish above everything else is my personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's why we need to slow down as Paul says in his fourth quarter in the fourth quarter of Paul's life, we find him under house arrest, waiting trial before Caesar. He could look back at his life in all the mission strips and all the churches he established as a success. But Paul in his last quarter in Philippians 3.10 says this, I want to know Christ. That's it. I want to know Christ. And as we've been sharing over the past three weeks, we've taken a look at Paul's determined purpose, as it says in the Amplified Bible, that I may know him, progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, understanding, and continually being transformed into his likeness. Time spent with God plus no one else is the greatest way we get to know Him and to know His ways. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we read in Psalms 95 where God was angry with the Israel. You know why God was angry with Israel? In fact, he lamented. He, he, he was grieved. He mourned. Hebrews 3.10 says it this way. 
from Psalms 95. The Lord declares, they have not known my ways. They've not known my ways. The Lord wants you to know him and know of his ways. That's why we've been talking about putting on the brakes in order to clear out the clutter, pause and listen, be quiet and learn. And today we come to the last part, putting on the brakes in order to surrender. I'm going to ask you to sing a chorus with me that has become the theme song of my devotion with the Lord every morning. I start my devotions off singing this song. All of life comes down to just one thing, that's to know you, oh Jesus, and to make you know. All of life comes down to just one thing, that's to know you, oh Jesus, and to make you know. Single-minded, single-minded, wholehearted, one thing I ask. Surrender. I know that's not a popular word today among a self-centered, independent, entitled, belligerent, proud, consumer-oriented society. I know it's not a popular word. If someone were to ask you to surrender your rights, what would you say? What, are you kidding me? I'm entitled. I'll just get a lawyer and I'll sue. 
someone to ask you to surrender your dreams. Surrender my dreams? What are you kidding, Pastor? Yeah, right. No way. I work too hard to accomplish everything I have and to where I want to go. If someone were to ask you to surrender your finances, you don't know how many hours I put in at work. I have bills. I have a mortgage. I have car payments. I'm trying to plan for retirement. Surrender my finances. And these are just a few of the areas of our life. Last week, I made mention of a quote that Henry Nguyen says from The Way of the Heart uh, in his book, where he says, Surrender is the furnace of transformation. Solitude, I'm sorry, is the furnace of transformation. Solitude, getting alone. The way pure and silver are purified is they put it under fire. And as it's heated up, all the impurities will float to the top. It's called the dross, and they'll skim it out. And they say that you know that silver and gold is refined when you can see your reflection. Now, who are we to reflect? We are to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. And there are times in prolonged solitude during devotional time where God will crank up the heat a little bit. And before you know it, these impurities in your life, maybe it's unresolved anger will surface. Or maybe it's unforgiveness. Or maybe there's this unhappiness that's rooted in envy. How come everybody else has and are doing and I don't have, I'm not doing anything. And this envy surfaces. This pride surfaces. This strained relationship surfaces. Maybe there was an injustice and, and, and you're still upset because you didn't get justice. That surfaces. And as these surface in solitude, through the heat that God brings, the conviction, God wants us to take these impurities and surrender them to him. Because if you hold on to them, They'll eat you alive and will prevent you from moving on and knowing God in a greater and more intimate way. Surrender is necessary in order to know God and his deepest treasures. Do you know I believe he waits patiently? For you to yield, yield that injustice, to yield that unforgiveness, to yield that envy and that jealousy. He waits patiently for you to stop fighting with him, to allow his plan to run his course, to turn to him for security, to turn for him 
for a peace that passeth all understanding. There are so many things in this world today that can rob us of our peace and our joy in the Holy Ghost. And if you hold on to them and you don't surrender, how do we begin to know God in a more intimate, deeper way? How are we ever going to be transformed into his image? Solitude truly is the furnace of transformation. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 16, 25. Whoever loses his life for me. Some translations say whoever loses his life for my sake. Will find it. And as he begins to reveal himself. And as he begins to reveal his will for your life, you begin to know him in a greater, with more depth. And you begin to know him more deeply and intimately and become acquainted with him. And then the more you know him, the more you're willing to relinquish. The more you're willing to surrender. The more you are willing to give. Over these past few weeks, I have shared some of my Cape May treasures with you of my prolonged devotional period during vacation time. Let me give you one of those treasures. It sounds very simple but it becomes very profound. Whatever I entrust, whatever I surrender, whatever I entrust to God, He cares for it better than I can. And anything that is under his control is never, is never out of control. Think about that. Whatever I entrust, whatever I give to God, he takes care of it better than I can. And anything under his control is never out of control. Come on, how many times in your life have you gotten in this situation and you're just like, this is out of control. You know why it's out of control? Because you have not surrendered it to God. The more I know him, the greater I know him, the more I am able to entrust and to surrender because the things under his care, he takes better care than I can. And whatever is under his control is never out of control. Which just keeps reminding me that I need to surrender. And as you surrender, there's an element of trust. How are you doing that? It's a magic carpet. It's lovely. You, uh, you don't want to go for a ride, do you? We could get out of the palace, see the world. 
Is it safe? Sure, do you trust me? <laughs> what? Do you trust me? Yes. The Aladdin asked the princess one question. Do you, do you trust me? And then he reaches out his hand. I love the picture that this scene paints, not because of the romantic love story that unfolds, but I believe this picture is very symbolic of our God who stretched out his arms for us. And then he reaches down his hand and he asks Bob, Jim, Jessica, Phil, Andrew, Charlie, Ruth, Joe, Carlos, do you trust me? And then he waits patiently for us to get to the point of saying, okay, Lord, I trust you. I want to stop. Pastor Bonnie, if you could come. I have a whole nother point on trust, but we're going to save it for next week. This morning as I was just in prayer and I was just going, I, I just sense this morning the Lord was saying there are areas in our lives that we need to surrender to the Lord. It may be the life of a teenager, maybe a child at work, I mean at school, difficulties. It may be a marital relation. It may be a home issue. It may be an area that deals with finances. It may be an area where an injustice was served and it still eats away at you. But I believe the Lord is calling us this morning as he reaches out his hand to you and asks, do you trust me? I believe there are people all over this sanctuary who need to reach to the Lord and say, God, I need to give you this. I need to give you that. I need to give you this problem. Because whatever I entrust to you, you will take care of it better than I can. And whatever is in your control is never out of control. Would you stand with me?